To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode is also brought to you by PBNJoey.com. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to PBNJoey.com for the all-new dark roast coffee. That's PBNJoey.com for more information. PBNJoey.com. Hey, folks, open an account today with Weeble, and with just a $100 deposit, you'll get four free stocks. And if you refer a friend, you'll get two more. Such a simple way to start a portfolio with the power of a desktop, tablet, or cell phone. With Weeble, you'll get zero commission fees, access to pre-market trading, and in-depth analytical tools for more advanced users. If you want to support this program, go to positivesarcasm.com, click on the Weeble banner in the contact section. That way, I'll get free stocks, and you'll get free stocks. Now, that's something most of us can agree on. Terms and conditions do apply. See Weeble.com for more information. Thank you to Weeble, and please trade responsibly. Hi, this is Jennifer calling with the funding department at U.S. Capital Partners. I'm following up on a piece of mail we sent your business regarding a pre-approval for a business line of credit up to $165,000 with rates starting at a 4.9%. Your personal credit score is not a factor. This pre-approval is based on your company industry and cash flow. However, it is imperative that I speak with you as soon as possible before this pre-approval expires. You can reach me directly at 866-460-460. 8734 again my number is 866-460-8734 i look forward to speaking with you and hope you have a great day jay here positive sarcasm.com recorded here from the spare parts underground studio happy sunday uh, happy Wednesday, everybody. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the Spare Parts Underground studio recording here Wednesday. Two more podcasts to go after this. Uh, what else have we got going on? You can find me on Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm. Find me on Facebook.com slash POS sarcasm. Uh, if you're just looking to be my friend, Facebook.com slash positive sarcasm. You can also find me on YouTube, positive sarcasm and positive sarcasm podcast. And hey, guess what? Parlor's back. Yay! Guess what's on Parlor? Nothing. There's nothing on Parlor. Like I, I mean, there's like Tulsi Gabbard, and that's it. Like I mean, I'm not following Kirstie Alley. Um, she was hot back in Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan, but besides that, I'm not really sure if I want to hear anything Kirstie Alley has to say. Nothing that's gonna make me any money or a decent meatball soup. So I think I'm gonna take a hard pass on that one. No offense, Kirstie Alley. But I am on there. It is another social media app that maybe I can put some of my content on there. I'm not really there for political purposes. Uh, I just kind of want to see if there's something to it. And uh, maybe it works for me. Maybe it doesn't. But it's really no effort for me to get on there and just post if I need to. As far as what I'm going to be posting about is basically, basically the same thing that I post on basically all my other social media apps. Uh, but basically just the videos and the links to my content. And that's it. I don't waste my time with anything else. Like I don't need I I don't even remember Twitter. I don't even remember Twitter at all. Hmm. And I'm good. I mean, even though I get most of my activity on TikTok, I TikTok is just nothing but uh teasers for OnlyFans accounts. So I really don't even waste my time on there. But I mean I am on these social medias. You can find me on there. Uh and then uh what else? Uh, that's pretty much it. So we're basically coming down to the last couple weeks. I have to take, um, I had to figure out like what time 
do I need to to, to go radio silent on this pot on this platform so that I could focus completely on packing everything up and getting out of here? And I decided on uh, the date I decided on, which was in best interest for myself and everybody else involved, was the twenty fourth. So the twenty fourth will the February twenty fourth will be the last podcast um, for the rest of the winter, and then hopefully by the time seeing how if everything gets back up and running the faster i get up and running for march well the quicker i can lay everything out and go from there but it's going to be from there it's going to be complete radio silence you basically won't be hearing anything from positive sarcasm until uh i've completed my move from here to there uh but that will be that will be the day but uh until then we press on uh, I have things to do. I have shit I want to talk about. There was a lot of things that are on my radar over this past weekend. Uh, stock market stuff, uh, th- news and information regarding space junk, and then the vast uh, amount of satellites that are that, uh, Elon's releasing for Starlink, which is actually starting to come online. If you are interested in getting out of your deal with Comcast or your deal with whatever Cox Communications or Spectrum or whomever you have for cu- for cable, the uh, there is an option. I'll be initially an expensive option. Now, for Starlink, you actually do get the router, you get the dish, and apparently it's very, very easy to set up from all the YouTube stuff I've seen. It originally was set up for um, just doing like rural areas, but I guess most a lot of people can just pre-order it now. Like the invitation came to me, but for now it doesn't really, I don't really necessarily need it. Uh, and I have, I'm, I'm going to be using that the thing is, is it is it's it's about ninety nine dollars a month for Starlink, but the initial setup is five hundred. The initial setup is five hundred, and you don't need an, an installer. You like you don't need an installer to show up between two and five. You just the box shows up at your house. It's five hundred dollars. It comes with the satellite dish. It comes with the router, and it plugs in very simply. Um, but it is five hundred dollars for that package. But after that, it's 99 bucks a month. So if you are looking to possibly get out of your Comcast situation or what have you, Starlink is an option. They are taking pre-orders. You can get on the list. Um, so go ahead and look that up. Do the reviews. Do your di- di- due diligence. And if you think Elon is as as legit as, you th- as I think he is, go ahead and go that route. Um, I mean, that is an option. It's only going to get cheaper. It's only going to get better. From what I've seen from the download speeds and the, uh, what do you call it? The, it wasn't necessarily the download speeds. It was the uh, latency between when the satellite, when, you, when, the, when your signal goes to the satellite and then when it comes back. And apparently it's very, very good. It's a very, very good signal. It's very strong. It's very quick. So you can do everything that you normally would do if you had cable internet or a T1 line or what have you. So that might be an option to take. The in uh, the download speeds were around 150 megabit per second, which is actually very good. Cause let's see, I'm running Comcast right now, and the most I'm getting is around 90 ish, 96. I think was the last test I did. I think that was a Sunday. So that's what I'm working with right now. That's right now. There were times I was getting I was running Comcast, and it was I think wirelessly I was getting like 35 megabit per second. But since I'm hooked in, I'm basically close. To, I'm close to 100. Um, so those are your, those are some of the options you have to work with. Uh, but I just want to let you guys know that, that, hey, there are always options out there. There's always a choice to make. But if you have that extra $500 and you want to get out of that contract, this is one way to do it. 
the other thing is I know I've been preaching about software and simplicity, and I, I am on record as saying I don't like Windows 10. I don't like the amount of resources it uses. I don't like how it's more invasive when it comes to your privacy, when it comes to invasive, when it comes to privacy reasons and uh, malware uh, capable, malware susceptible. It leans more towards Android than it does Linux. So what we're looking at in this situation was, well, I'm like, okay, so you see uh, things about you should update. I talked about this before, but every time this happens, I have to hit it on the head because it's an issue to me. So I got to bring it up. We're looking at it. Right? Looks good. Looks good. We recording? Yeah, we recording. Woohoo! Yay! Everything works for now. Um, so this is uh, the latest release from the Microsoft company. Windows 10 version 2.1.h1 release. So every time, like, there are patches every time that you have, like, if you have, like, an operating system like Windows 7 or Windows 10 or Windows 8 or whatever, and you get automatically releases, and these would have cumulative security updates and, uh, uh, you know, service packs of d additional things that would fix certain bugs and whatever. New drivers, other things like that. Well, Windows 10 gets these all the time. Windows 10 still does them, but they were saying Windows 7, it's out of date. We're not going to support it anymore, so it could be more susceptible to viruses, blah, blah, blah. You need to update to Windows 10. That's our latest thing, so trying to push you in that direction. If you have Windows 7 and it's completely up to date, like you can get all the updates you can for it, it says right when you uh, open Windows now, it'll tell you, we no longer support this, uh, upgrade to Windows 10, but then you just skip it and it never shows up again. That's it. And you can still buy Windows 7 uh, service keys or activation keys and run it like normal. And Windows 7 was pretty damn good, and I still run it to this day. And this is one of the reasons why. So this was uh, this happens all the time, by the way. So they say they say Windows 7 is a security flaw, is a security issue. Maybe I think all, but if somebody wants to get into your system, they're gonna get into it one way or another. Doesn't matter what operating system you have. Just so Windows 10 version 2.1 H1. This version of uh, 2.1H1 release will not bring updates to the Windows hardware compatibility program and, fall, and will follow the same guidelines as 20H2. Below are the more detail are more details with respect to all WHCP-related activities. Windows hardware compatibility program activities. Uh, no changes. Hardware lab kit. No uh, errata. No change. All Windows 10 version errata will continue to be valid. Blah, blah, blah. No changes to this. No changes to that. Um, qualifications, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so this is one of their latest releases and latest uh, patches that they have available for Windows 10. And then the news comes out on ThreatPost, Microsoft pulls bad Windows update after Patch Tuesday headaches. Microsoft released a new... Now, these may not be correlated. They may not even be the same exact patch, but you're starting to get my drift of the confusion and the pain in the ass it is of having to own Windows 10 if it's even needed to be in, owned in the first place. Microsoft released a new service pack, uh, KB500-1078, after an older one caused problems for Windows users installing Patch Tuesday security updates. Microsoft has removed a faulty servicing stack update, which was causing issues for Windows users when they tried to install last week's Patch Tuesday security updates. Microsoft's security stack update provides fixes for the component that installs Windows updates. This particular defective update... KB46013.92 applied to Windows 10 users version 1607 for 32-bit older machines, 
that don't bit you basically 32 bit machines don't take anything over four gig of RAM. Might as well throw that thing in the fucking trash at that point. And 64 based systems and Windows Server 16 users. To address these issues, Microsoft has removed the faulty update and released a new one, KB51078. Quote, there is a known issue that halts the installation of the prog prog installation progress of the February 9th security update. That's what Microsoft said. Uh, Microsoft said that the er erroneous service stack update froze installations for the cumulative update from the recent Windows update. Fucking idiots. This resulted in the installation for the update halting at 24%. Windows users who reported issues must install this new service pack update, servicing stack update, before installing its recent February patch security from last week. Quote, you must install the... This is fucking embarrassing. You must install the new servicing stack update before installing the cumulative update. According to Microsoft, SSUs improve the reliability of, this, of the update process to mitigate potential issues while installing the LCU and applying Microsoft security issues. Microsoft gave the following mitigation advice for devices that have already installed KB46392. They okay, so it gives you your stereo instructions. You should restart your devices and follow only steps 1, 2, and 4A and from reset Windows update components manually. Then you should restart your devices again. Then KB51078 should now install from Windows updates when users select check for updates or they can install it automatically or they can wait to install it automatically. You should, should then be able to install the latest cumulative update from Windows update. Patch security updates apply now. Uh, last week addressed nine critical severity cybersecurity bugs plus an important rated vulnerability that is actively being exploited in the wild. The bug tracked as CVE 2021-1732 is actively being exploited according to Microsoft's advisory. This underscores the need for assist, assist, um, system admins to quickly, up the, to quickly apply the update. This is why the faulty servicing stack update created an obstacle for deploying patch Tuesday updates is blah, blah, blah. The ex oh my God. Look, and you guys will up want me to update to Windows 10, which is way more resource heavy. It It's way more intrusive on my security. You guys want me to really, you really want me to do that? I'm, I, I can't do this. Every laptop, every desktop that I get my hands on, I don't care if it's a second gen uh, i-series processor or a 10th gen i-series processor. The first thing I do is rip the fucking hard drive out, replace it with an SSD drive if it doesn't already have one, shove Windows 7 Ultimate on there, buy a $15 admin, uh, activation code, and run Windows 7 on the computer. It's way faster. It supports 64-bit uh, processing. It's just as secure, in my opinion, because I'm not clicking on those stupid fucking uh, attachments in the emails, you dumbasses. I don't use Microsoft Edge. I don't use Chrome anymore. And I do very little to you to uh, make sure that, like, I'm, I'm making sure that most of the shit that allows people to access my computer is not available. Remote desktop connection, uh, team viewer got deleted, all these things that, and I don't use the same computer for everything. I don't use the same computer for anything, for everything. And I'm going to go even further in applying more uh, system securities for my computers just because I'm going to have some time and more resources on my hands to be able to do so. But with all these things, the, now this just comes down to system usability, ease of usability. Windows 7 is an easier, a way easier program to use. It's a way, e you, way easier uh, use software 
operating system to use, you basically, whatever installs on Windows 10 and whatever drivers, whatever basically, you know, pr uh, programs that are designed to, files that are designed to identify a piece of hardware, if they are available for Windows 10 and they're designed to install on Windows 10, they'll install on Windows 7 too. So basically, whatever you can do on that OS, you can do on the older OS, which runs flawlessly. So why update? when all you're doing is making it harder for people to easily use their computer. Wasn't that the whole point of Windows 10? Was to make it more flashy, user accessible, user friendly, easier to access the internet, faster to update everything. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? When everything you can get for free, you can get email programs for free, like uh, like Thunderbird. You have a vast uh, uh, option, you have a vast array of options when it comes to web browsers, like for example, the Brave browser or DuckDuckGo. Nothing, you don't need to use Chrome anymore. There's the new Firefox. There is Opera. There's a vast array of new web browsers. There's a vast array of secure email, pla email platforms. And all you have to do is install them and use them on Windows 7 and it's perfectly fine. Unless you have like the new Xbox and you maybe specifically need Windows 10, what are you doing? What's the pl what's the purpose of it? I don't see the value and the safety purposes of actually having Windows 10 when it's far more recess resource heavy. And what I mean by that is, if you have a computer, if you have a program that requires more resources, you're going to need a stronger computer. So when you have an older computer that necessarily can't be able to perform at its peak using Windows 10, but it is a fire breather on Windows 7, then absolutely go with that. That's where I'm making my moolah. That's where I'm able to save my coin because I'm using Windows 7 basically at this point exclusively because the only computer that I had that was running Windows 10 died. <laughs> All the other ones, I went ahead and took Windows 8 or 8.1 or Windows 10 off of it because it had a hard drive that I wasn't using and put Windows 7 in there because a, a new SSD drive, which is 10, 20 times faster than an old hard, older hard drives, they're 30 bucks, not even. And you're just making this more difficult for people to protect their information and have more resources to pick out a computer that they want. And like, for example, if maybe they can get an older i3 or an older i5 for a couple hundred bucks and run it on Windows 7 and get be able to do everything that they want to do with a platform that's just as secure because you're not always downloading shit and uploading shit for your data purposes so you can make money off of us. And then you give us this cybersecurity bullshit patch, which doesn't fucking work, that doesn't fucking install, is completely fucking useless because all it takes is for some idiot to click on an email link from some asshole they don't know about. And the next thing you know, your, super your plethora of security patches don't mean shit. And they click on that. They click on that link. And next thing you know, this computer's fucked. Doesn't matter what program you put on there. Doesn't matter what OS you put on there. I can't say the same thing for Apple, but I'm not spending twenty five hundred bucks on a MacBook. I'm not wasting my time with that. I don't need the Starbucks cup of coffee for status, and I don't need the MacBook two thousand four for fucking status either. I need. I just need. We need computers with strong functionality that are easy to use. That's all. So let's take a look. What is this bug track? This actively being exploited? What is this bug that we're talking about here? 
what's the situation here? Windows Win32K elevation of privilege vulnerability. Um, let's see, what does it do? Attack vector local, blah, blah, blah. Scope unchanged, integrity high, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, because I'm sure any Jane, Dick, or Sue is going to be able to understand what the hell this means. The following table provides an exploitably assessment for this vulnerability at the time of the published. Oh, just, this is just, who do you have working over there? Do you have any intelligent people working there right now at Microsoft? Anybody with half a fucking brain? Really? You just push out updates? You don't think to check them? You don't think to, I mean, you realize every time you push out one of these updates and it goes to some office down the street with 50 people on it, that's not one person's life you're fucking up. That's one admin, two supervisors, and 50 grunts on the ground, and now you got to fix all their machines, push out a new patch. It's a pain in the ass, and you're making it a lot more, you're, you're giving us a lot less reason to use these fucking computers. Government computers, I'm assuming it's, it's one thing. And don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I know you want the most latest and greatest shit when it comes to security. And I understand that there was some water treatment plant or some sewage treatment plant down in like Georgia that was still using Windows 7. But that story has a lot more to it. And I'm not really buying. I don't always buy what they sell. I don't always buy what they sell in these articles. But as far as this one, I've seen this time and time again. This one, I can confirm that every time they send a freaking patch update, it never fucking works. And it's always mitigated by another patch two weeks down the road. And all it does is every time a patch downloads, it's just eating up more memory in your computer. It's just eating up more memory in your computer. And every time you open up your, every time you open up your computer to allow Wind, Microsoft to go into it and put new stuff in, you're just leaving it open to another security attack. So why do it? Why do it? When you can go out of your way and buy a standard security so software, have Windows 7, and go the easy route and save your money. You don't need to go and spend your, new, your next stimulus check, if there ever is going to be one, on another computer. You don't need to waste that money. Go put it in the stock market and, or something like that or pay down some debt. You don't need to freaking, you know, I got to buy a new computer or whatever. No, it's like, Jesus Christ, this is absolutely ridiculous every time they do this. Every time they do this with this fucking Windows 10, this thing was garbage from the beginning. Garbage from the beginning. And it uses four, it has four times the amount of processes running, or three, excuse me. Well, it's for, for example, you can get Windows, you can get Windows 7 to run between 40 and 60 processes. Okay? 40 at the minimum, 60 at the maximum if you got a few programs open. Okay? Not a lot. When Windows 10 is running, it's between 150 and 200 processes. If it's like an office computer or just a, re a regular Joe's computer that's just sitting there running programs, that's a lot of processes. That takes up a lot of resources to run that. I'm just trying to, look, you're making it harder for people to want to use your computers. And the harder you make it, uh, the harder you make it for people to use your computers and the more resources it requires to use your computers, guess what? You're going to lose customers because if they are going to be like, I got, I spent 600 bucks on a new computer, well, fuck it. I can go spend 1400 and go get like a lightweight, you know, uh, uh, entry-level Apple MacBook or something like that. You can't, you will lose a fraction of the, of your user base to Apple. You will do that. 
by bring, by put create by create uh, continuing to push a shitty project, a shitty pr- uh, program like Windows 10. I mean, it really is a shit program. It really, really is. Imagine, I mean, imagine this thing on a phone. Forget it. Forget it. I'm hoping one day there'll be another OS coming out. But for then, I'm just going to stick with Windows 7. It's safe, secure. I got a lot of computers. I don't need to necessarily put everything all in one computer. All my all my server information is stored locally. So, yeah. I'm Once again, I'm all set. I, you know, use what you got. It'll save you a lot of money. But I don't want to talk shit the whole time. I did want to mention, like, if you... Windows 7 is an old program, but it runs beautifully. And if you have something that that that is that good, why not can why don't you build off of that instead of creating something brand new that sucks a lot? Like for example, like this is a game um I used to play as a kid. You guys have I've heard of it. Let me see here. Let me get out of that. Where is it? Okay. You guys have heard of Doom. You guys have obviously heard of Doom. You've heard of that whole uh, that whole gaming craze back in the early '90s with the first person shooter. Doom was one of those. Doom was one of those games that changed the industry, changed the industry for its theme, for its graphics. But obviously, it's an old game now. Do- the original Doom and Doom Two and Final Doom are old games. Their graphics are old, pixelated, two dimensional. Obviously, the new ones, the Doom 2016 and Doom Eternal and Doom Eternal Ancient Gods is a game with graphics and playability above and beyond anything else out there in the industry at this point. But that doesn't say anything negatively about Doom. Doom is just, an, it's not the engine that was old, it's the graphics. Because back then, computers could only handle a certain amount of graphics. So you had to build, not an not, a, not just a resourceful engine, but the graphics had to support the computers that were out at that time. If if computers out then, if computers around, that are around now were out there then, the graphics for this game would be far better, and it would be more three dimensional. But there's also something else. Not just the graphics; it's the engine, the programming, the code, the platform, the ifs and scenarios, the things you don't necessarily see, because all this here. All this freaking shit that you see, the guys running around throwing fireballs, the dude with the shotgun, your health bar, your ammo bar, the background, all the moving parts, that's just the user interface. That's just the pixels that you see. There's an engine running everything underneath of it. Under the hood, there was a powerful engine running this game that was so resource-friendly that my computer from 1990 could run this pro- could run this game. Could run this game. Now, that engine is still being used to this day to create all kinds of different mods. And that engine could t- can still be used to the point where they can make a game from 1993 look like a game from 2002. This was a mod for uh, called Total Chaos. It's like a horror game. And the graphics look so good. There was a game I played back in 1999, 1998 called Half-Life. And then there was a, the sequel to it called Half-Life 2. These graphics look as good as the graphics to right around when Half-Life 2 came out. And that's, we're talking about a 10-year-old engine. 1993's, 1992's Doom? That's what this game is built off of, this engine. So let me go into the article here by Screen Rant. And it's called Total Chaos. 
And I love when we, we take something that already exists and you repurpose it and you repackage it into something that is strong and reliable, just like Windows 7, although they haven't done anything off of that lately. Um, so Doom 2 mod transforms its unrecognizable Sephora. Okay, uh, 17 years. They spent 17 years. Modern Wadaholic spent 17 years transforming Doom 2 into a survival horror game called Total Chaos, a game that is totally distinct from its roots. This does not look anything like uh, from like Doom 2. But let me just read the article here. Um, I just yeah, I'm I'm into I'm in a software software kind of mode today. I wanted to get into some interesting stuff. Um, I've been too busy yelling about people with fucking Gorilla Glue in their hair in the stock market, so I wanted to get away from that. I wanted to go to my roots a bit. Legendary first-person shooter Doom has always been billed as more of a ha action horror, more the action than horror, but a new mod flips the switch by transforming Doom 2 into a survival horror game that renders the originally original practically unrecognizable. The mod built by longtime Doom modder Wadaholic transforms the classic action game into total chaos. It's almost a completely distinct game that paints over the original Doom assets with a brush that would style uh, classic survival horror games like Resident Evil or Silent Hill. All right, so let's continue on here. Original Doom 2 followed up on a da-da-da-da, build one of the chance for developers to take advantage of a more powerful hardware. Okay, like I was just saying, the original Doom 2, the follow-up to the t titular or titular, whatever, first entry into the series was not a landmark title in the way its predecessor was. It was built as more of a chance for developers to take advantage of a more powerful hardware to do more of what they originally planned for the first game in the second, and as a result, wasn't particularly groundbreaking or, or or distinct, but it was fucking awesome. What made Doom 2 stand out, however, was that the source code was eventually publicly released. The source code from the game, which was resulted in hundreds if not thousands of modded versions of the game built by amateur developers. Wadaholic, the modder behind Total Chaos and a longtime fan of Doom, was one such a developer who cut his teeth. There's a lot of filler in this thing. Was it written by fucking AI? Or some guy getting paid for word count? Total Chaos uh, is a much more ambitious endeavor than a, uh, than a map. No one would look at the screenshots of the gameplay and suspect the moment that behind the... Behind Beneath the grimy floorboards, suspected characters in a soft ambient lighting at the heart of an early 90s game still beats. Okay, so what did he actually do? To the end, he made use of the GZ Doom engine. Okay, the actual engine, the source code, everything, the heart of, of Doom, that old pixely two-dimensional engine. He, a source port that offers up the sort of tech and effects that weren't readily available when Doom 2 first hit screens in 1994 including sloped floors, skyboxes, ambient light effects. The overall result, as reported by PC Gamer, is a game that looks nothing like the original Doom 2. Instead, the following uh, exploits of a Doom guy battling hellish demons on Earth, the game follows an unmanned character through an abandoned mining town of Fort Oasis, where zombies lurk in dark passages, lights uh, flicker ominously, and messages scrawled in blood give hints to the faint... Fate of the Miners Who Disappear Without a Trace. This look a, looks a lot like Fear. Fear was a game that I absolutely loved playing. I mean, that was a really creepy game, but that was a good one. This reminds me a lot of that. The brilliant thing about Total Chaos isn't necessarily that Wadaholic managed to transform Doom 2 into a horror game by applying some new textures or effects. Where the really real brilliance lies is the fact that Wadaholic incorporates what makes a horror game truly scary in the small but significant details that build tension and create suspense. Lights flicker on and off, shadows move out of the corner of the eye, 
objects clatter in distance when a player least expects it. It's less Doom 2 and more amnesia. A love letter to horror games using Doom 2 is stationary, though the original game still simmers underneath the surface. So what Total Chaos is far more than a mod, and the good news is the players keen on checking it out don't require Doom 2 to play it the way they would any other. The game is now entirely standalone, which means you don't need to have Doom and then install the mod, which back in the day, I don't know if it is now, but when you you had to have the game in order to get the modification for it, and it, that, could became, that could be annoying for somebody who's trying it out for the first time. It was To install it was kind of stupid, but now I guess apparently it's its own thing. It's entirely standalone, ready to play right after it's downloaded and extracted. It's also a sign that independent developers have power that was once exclusive only to major studios. The ability to build fully detailed rendered uh, games that can elicit the same sort of reaction and interest as any of the big boys, although hopefully in less time than 17 years. So a lot of the times like source code won't, uh, I think Windows 7 source code has not been released. Imagine if you had Windows 7 source code, the amount, first of all, yeah, they're worried about if you release it, the amount of damage, it could, uh, the amount of vulnerabilities you could have to hackers. But if you give it to somebody who wants to make it more secure and better, well, there you go. You can make a better Windows 7 or something completely brilliant. Doom released the Doom, the source code and the engine behind it so that people could fuck with it and make it better and do things like this game here, Total uh, Total Chaos, where the graphics are high, high definition, the movement is better, the baddies are more baddie, it's a little creepier, there's ambient lighting, there's better movement, and it really does look like a game that... Um, if you were to buy this in like 2002, 2003, 2004, it would be like, oh, I can really get into this. And these games, it looks a lot, actually, this game reminds me a lot of, people are into these, um, what the hell are these games? Um, I'm thinking off the top of my head. People love these Fallout games, these, uh, those role-playing games, those live action, those long role-playing games, they're running around in the woods, they are... Um, they're collecting things. They're picking things out of packages. I, my, my nephew plays these, this shit all the time, and I'm not really into it. But this is one of the, this is one of those games where it's a lot of that. I'm not, but those games are less scripted, where you kind of you have a vast environment where you can run around in and roam in. Whereas this one, it seems like it's a little more scripted, like Doom, where you have a certain pathway to go. But it has that feel. It looks a lot like that. So this, I mean, and the graphics do look really good. And the idea is that the source code was already out there. This resource-friendly source code from a game that a, a, a, a 486 processor could run is now available. I mean, it's looking like a, a, a brand new game that just came out. A brand new game that just came out using a almost 20-year-old source code. I can only imagine how fast and how awesome this game can run. How fast and awesome this game can run. It is. It looks really, really good. And how much would it cost? First of all, the source code's free. You can down, You can grab the source code and run with it. So why would you have to build? Why would you want to build your own engine? When or why would you? Yeah. Why would you want to build your own engine? Remember when you when these engines like the Unreal Engine. I don't think you just get that for free. You have to like purchase that engine or get the rights to use that engine. Whereas I think with this, you just I'm just gonna go ahead, grab it, and use it, and run with it. It's remarkable. 
So I think that's a better I think that's a better way to go. I think it's a better way to go. And it really shows the creativity of if you give the power to the user and the developer, how far they can go with something that came out in 1993, 1994. This is the GZ Doom engine. It's been around forever. Been around forever. Back when 486 compri- I mean, 486 computers ran like like 32 megabytes of RAM. 32 megabytes. Now most computers run between 4 and 32 gigabytes of of RAM. I mean, and this is back when DDR, not to get too technical, but DDR wasn't even a thing. We had DDR, DDR1, uh, DDR1 through DDR5. That was this, then there was RD RAM. This was SD RAM, barely SD RAM. Uh, and that, that's when the, this source code was created. Back when CRT monitors were still a big thing. So, I mean, we're talking like 13 to 15 inch monitors were the thing back then. So that's pretty cool that they he went ahead and did that. It looks spectacular. So congratulations, kudos to Wadaholic for making a game that looks brilliant. Uh, if you guys uh, you can go ahead and check out the podcast or you can just look up, uh, you can go on YouTube and just go, uh, type in Doom Total Chaos and you'll see what they can do with a, a source code, an engine that was built in the early 1990s. So, yeah, go ahead and just check that out. Um, let's see, where are we at here? We just did, so we, we, we talked shit about Amazon. Excuse me, we talked shit about Windows. We'll talk shit about Amazon another time. Um, actually, uh, speaking of Amazon, there is a South Korean, there's, there's Amazon, there's Alibaba, which is out of, uh, what do you call it? So Amazon's out of the United States. Alibaba's out of China. There's a new Amazon-type like company coming out of South Korea. Um, they haven't dropped their IPO yet, but I do have them on a watch list. But you want to go ahead and look for that. T- type in South Korean. Just go ahead and Google uh, South Korean Amazon. Let me South uh, Korean Amazon. And it's it's going public. It should be going public soon. Oh, Coupang, C-O-U-P-A-N-G. It's less Amazon, more Walmart. But apparently this uh, company should be going public on the uh, New York stock. It's actually going to be going, they're going to be, they're thinking about going public on an American stock exchange, which is going to be great. So uh, think about possibly looking into it. C-O-U, just put it in your IPO search list, C-O-U-P-A-N-G. Uh, if you want to get into stock, if you want to get into possibly trading, use my Weeble link because I don't use Robinhood in it anymore. Just go to my uh, website or yeah, go to my website positivesarcasm.com or just click on my links in my Instagram f- profile or my or whatever. Uh, there's a, an affiliate link there, or just go to my website positivesarcasm.com. Click on the contact page or the donate page, and there's an affiliate link there. You'll get free stocks for using that app. So definitely go and check that out. Um, the Weeble app is a lot to take in. It's super, it's a lot of detail. It can be confusing, but it's, it's gotten way better. The only thing that I wish would be, um, that they would work on would be, uh, when you go to deposit money, it takes about five business days for it to show up from your account over here. Whereas with Robinhood, it would be like the next day. That's if you were doing like between five hundred and a thousand dollars. But if you're doing more than that, then it takes a few days. But the minute you put money into your Rebull account, you can instantly start trading. So that's the great thing about it. It has a lot of level two stuff. It is pretty quick. Um, I'm sure it'll only get like that. That was the problem with Robinhood. And the good thing about Robinhood, it was it looked it was super user friendly. It was easy to get through everything. It was like a fucking casino. It wanted your money. 
Whereas Weeble it was a, a, a little more, it's a little more technical looking. Um, and buying stocks on it at times, like trying to buy stocks on the desktop version fucking sucks. I hate it. But buying it through your phone or buying it through your tablet is much easier. It's much easier to just hit buy and go from there. So, but yeah, you can go ahead, check out my website, the affiliate links in the contact section. You'll get a bunch of free stocks. If you put in a hundred bucks and you can go ahead and check out Coupang, C-O-U-P-A-N-G. They should be coming up. Uh, once they get the, once they get the go ahead to be publicly traded on an American stock market, you'll be able to invest in them. And maybe, and I, in my opinion, South Korea is one of those companies that, or one of those countries that has a lot to offer the American public. And uh, you'll probably be seeing, I mean, shit, look what they did with Kia and Hyundai, for God's sake. So, I mean, that should say enough right there. So we're at 40 minutes. Let me finish up with some Q&A and then we'll get out of here. We, we have two more podcasts left after that. Let me just see if I got a, who did I get a text message from? That was Johnny Monotone. Uh, da, da, da, da, da. Nope. Hey, are you still holding Riot? No, I'm not holding Riot. I wish I was. Um, oh, if, if you guys know what Riot is, Riot and Marathon are two companies that mine for Bitcoin. And they have, since like like December, they have gone from like $12 a share to like $60 a share. And I don't even know what they're looking. Well, actually, let's take a look right now. Let's just go ahead and check out. Let me go into my Weeble app. And let's see what Marathon is doing right now. Let me just type in, type in or no, let's type in Riot, actually. Let's type in Riot. R-I-O-T. R-I-O-T. What are they at right now for after hours? 77.90. <whistles> Holy bananas. Well, good for them. Okay. Anyways, let's go ahead and actually, what are, what are my, I got my ass kicked today because I hold a lot of real estate income trusts. I was tired of that penny stock bullshit. So let's see. Uh, let's see. After hours, uh, definitely cleaned up a little bit. Okay. Anyways, let's go ahead and get to some Q and A and close up shop for today. Whew. Great. More wife stuff. How can I get my wife to calm down after I told her I'd rather just divorce than go to couples therapy? Well, at least you're being honest. Two years ago, my wife went back to work after being a stay at home mom for 10 years. The transition caused a lot of tension in our marriage. We were constantly fighting over chores, meals, pickups, and drop-offs, teachers, conferences, and the like. The quality of our sex life suffered too. I asked my wife to consider quitting her job. She barely makes enough to clear the cost of commuting and childcare. She refused. Things got to a point where we agreed to go to therapy. As the appointment neared, I thought of all of our friends who went through this process and only to get divorced in the end. It made no sense to waste all that time, effort, and money. So, so you're doing things based on your friends? Okay. So I told my wife we should separate and start divorce proceedings. Yeah, you would have thought I'd suggested sacrificing one of our children. I am now staying at my brother's and my wife refuses to speak to me. We're communicating by text only. My children are distraught and my wife is not doing what's best for them right now. Well, neither are you. What do I need to do so my wife will calm down and look at this rationally? I know I should have prepared her better, but what was done is done. We need to move forward. Well, look, you say that your wife is not looking at this rationally. Well, neither are you. You're basically doing things based on the response of your friends. That's not a smart decision. This is your relationship, and you need to manage it. And then number two, you're asking your wife to quit your consider quitting her job. That's not a smart thing to do. Even if she is just barely breaking even, she has to get into the workforce. So you have to spend money to make time. You have to spend time to get time. you got to spend the effort. you got to put in the effort to get shit 
out of it. So if she is clearing costs of commuting and childcare and she's back in the market now and getting her experience back up to par, that's important. That's extremely important of getting her experience back that she can make more money in the future. That's all that that's all she gets done for, kid. So you have and the idea of also the most important thing is she has a job, which means she has a purpose in life. We need we need meaning in life. We need purpose in life. And one of those things about if her her she's already taking care of two kids. She she did her kids. She did all of her shit. She did everything she needed to do as a mother. She did her job as a mother. Now she wants to go back to her work. Back to work. Done. All right. Well, let's talk about the uh, issues here. As far as okay, chores, meals, pickups, drop offs. All right. Meals. Look, I'm one of those people you can't fucking argue with me when it comes to meals. I do all the cooking. Why? Because I'm better at it. I'm better at it. I'm more resourceful at it. I'm better at cleanup. You just, it's overall, it's better. That's it. I'm better at it, period. Uh, Chores. Well, chores are one of those things that develop into their own. I do all my own stuff. You don't need to clean up after me, period. So what are you fighting over? So if that's two of the four things, that leaves up, that leaves pickups and drop-offs, okay? Pickups and drop-offs, that's the only two things. And if you can't figure it out, you had two, you had fucking kids, and if the only thing that you have separating between you and getting this thing back on track, which le- looks less likely now, is pickups and drop-offs, then what the hell? So no, she shouldn't quit her job. She's clearing costs of commuting and childcare, fine. Uh, now what's the other thing? So apparently your love life's not doing as well either. So what's the deal here? Uh, okay. Where's that over here? Transition caused a lot of tension. The quality of our sex life suffered too, because you guys were quiet, constantly fighting. But then here it's like, okay, I get it. I don't make always the best, uh, decisions in relationships and stuff, but you, you made it in the decision of your friends. I thought all of our friends who went through this process only to get divorced in the end. So you said, fuck all that shit, fuck all the time, uh, and you just said, let's just separate and start the divorce. Well, you're still going to have kids, and guess what? You're going to be paying out a ton of money in alimony and child support, and it's going to make your life a hell of a lot worse. And she's going to take your ass to the cleaners. So you've, I think you just kind of headed for the exit. You just kind of headed for the exit. So I don't know what your situation is, uh, but I think you've handled this very, very poorly. If you would have done this like six months into the relationship and you just ran for the door because there were too many red flags in the situation, okay. But now you've got kids. She's got a job. She's doing her thing. It's like support her. Come on. I mean, I'm, I'm right. Everybody's got to be a winner. Everybody's got to do their part. She's doing her part by getting her job, by doing, you know, having a job, being a mother, being your wife. Okay. But as far as the, the, the meals go and the chores, what, you can't clean up your own shit? Come on. Yeah, I think this dude is just, he's he's not he's not being a, a husband. He's not being anything. He's just being a fucking taxing pain in the ass. Let's move on. How can I get my husband and, our, and I, wait, how can my husband and I get our teenage son to stop stealing our sex toys? My 16-year-old son is stealing our sex toys. My son took my husband's handheld toy several months ago. I found it where it shouldn't have been and let my husband know. He talked to our son and told him these are personal items, like a toothbrush, and that he needed to stop taking them. A few weeks ago, I noticed my, my dildo was missing. I thought I had misplaced it or that my husband hid it somewhere. As it turns out, our son took it. We talked to him again and stressed that these are personal items and that are not something to be shared. 
I want him to get his own toy so he stops taking ours. My husband is my husband is squicked out about it. Uh what the fuck is squicked out? Uh, blah blah blah. And I agreed it's weird to have our have your parents buy a toy for you, but he clearly wants one. I don't want to pick it out. I want to give him a prepaid gift card and have him pick it out where he wants from his website of a reputable shop. Is there a better way to handle this? Um yeah. Uh, tell your son to start working out and get a girlfriend. I mean, and take away his cell phone. This kid's going to be beating off so much. He's going to get sick. He's going to start whacking it to the point where he's going to have a rash in his dong and he's going to have nausea. There's something clearly else going on. You're just, all you're doing is by get, by having him pick out a sex toy is you're basically giving him a prescription. That's what you're doing. You're not getting to the root of the problem. He's stealing your shit for another reason. Why would he steal your stuff? Okay, it's one thing if he steals, uh, he, ew, so he's taking freaking a certified pre-screwed uh, uh, a fleshlight, putting his thing in there, but then he goes and steals your dildo. So what's he doing with that? What's he doing with that? I mean, let's let's face it. Let's face it. So where's that going? You might as well just throw that thing in the trash. So what else is going on here? And what do you, you're just like, you're going to solve the problem with a gift card? Do you want to get to the root of the issue or do you want to just get him something for his root? So that's something you need to look into because clearly right now you're being half shit parents. Let's keep moving here. Mm, ooh, what's this? Okay. Oh, nice. Let's close on this one. This is fucking awesome. How can I fix my marriage after I slept with my wife's two college-age nieces twice? <laughs> I live in a small town. I live in a small town with my wife of 33 years. My wife has a large family, most of whom live in the same state as us. Two of her siblings have da had daughters the same age who grew up like sisters. Last summer, her two nieces came to stay with us for a week while on a break from college. It turned out her nieces were hard-partying, dope-smoking, heavy-drinking types. One day, while my wife was at work and I was working from home, they got me to party with them. We got pretty wasted and ended up all hooking up. The same thing happened the very next day. I know they liked seducing their aunt's husband, and I had a mind-blowing experience. I assumed they were old enough to be discreet, but they weren't. A few weeks later, one of them told another family member, and the news made it back to my wife. My wife was beyond upset. She told me to move out, but I refused. Since then, she has made my life a living hell. I never wanted to destroy our marriage, but the allure of two young women is a sexual fantasy most men cannot refuse. I never believed two sexual exploits could destroy my marriage of 33 years. Yeah, it can. You should have believed that from the very beginning, pal. I am not seeing a way to fix this. Uh, there is no way to fix this, dude. You have basically said, okay, don't touch the nuclear button. This is the nuclear button. I know it looks cool. It's big and red, but whatever you do, don't touch it. Do -do -do -do -do -do -do -do -do. That's the first fucking thing you did was you took your giant rock hard meth smoking cock and you took it and you smushed the mushroom. You smushed your fucking giant mushroom right into the heart of that thing. And for what you did, would you created a nuclear bomb of shit within your household? This is the worst thing you could have did. This is an absolute fucking dick trap of mega thermonuclear holocaust proportions. 
This is the worst decision you could have made. What you should have done was literally go, there's two hot, uh, there's two hot ass girls rolling up on the house. Honey, if I don't go and stay at a Motel 6 for the next week and a half, I am going to destroy both of these bitches and our marriage is going to fall apart. I'll see you in a week and a half. She would have been mad, but she wouldn't have, she would have at least asked you to come back so you could talk about it. But instead, you drilled these girls to the point they were gargling on your donger, and now your marriage is over. I hope it was worth it because you're paying alimony from now on. I can't go in, I can't do it really any better than that. So uh, you can find me on social media. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook. You can find me on TikTok. You can find me on Parlor. Hey, Parlor's back up. Yay. Uh, go ahead and uh, subscribe to my YouTube channels, Positive Sarcasm, Positive Sarcasm Podcast. Uh, you can also uh, check out my affiliate link uh, uh, for the Weeble app if you want to hit up the stonks. Stonk market. Um, you can go to PositiveSarcasm.com. Click on the contact pot s- section. There is a affiliate link there uh, on the bottom left-hand side for the Cash App and for the Weeble app. Or if you just want to throw me some coin, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Until then, thank you for listening, watching, uh, supporting, subscribing, finding me anywhere where podcasts are downloadable and streamable. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, until then, I will talk to you all next week. Recorded here from the Spare Parts Underground Studio. This has been a Positive Sarcasm presentation. Don't sleep with your nieces. Ses ver Adana zirveden selam Durmak yok omi patlamaya devam Yok bundan sonra size sigara filan Uçuyor yıldızlara müptezel bayan Ses ver Adana zirveden selam Durmak yok omi patlamaya devam Yok bundan sonra size sigara filan Uçuyor yıldızlara müptezel bayan Harmanım baba nerede çarşafım Gördüğüm bu paketler benim dermanım Hoppa yavaşça açıldı fermanım Sakın kaçma buraya gel la kezbanım Adana çocuğu aga şehrimin delisi Olay büyük kardeş mevzu kendisi Plaka sıfır bir korkumuz dinle Yazmak için yine yuttun bence Hey torbacı bana versene borç Olmaz ama valla malları peşin satıyoruz Bu yüzden babamın cüzdanını çalıyoruz Akşam olunca dayak yemeye başlıyoruz Ben yazınca mı neşemiz yerinde Size ayrı tripte bense düşüşte Halüs görüyorum ben bu sahnede Kaç paket sigara bitti lan o kahvelerde Kapı yutmayınca dönmüyor tekeri Dribe sokma beni sikerime beni Gidin heyecan abinize selam söyleyin Tahtını sikiyorum ben de böyleyim Demiş Adana merkezin sözler çalışıyor Moru kim kimden yaptı alıntı O şişko menajerin ona söylüyorum Dist atmadan önce adam gibi uyarıyorum Sevenlerim bana şimdi desin eri Ben o söze oluyorum sanki deli Bize bulaşmayın bizde bir atmayız geri Bize dist atanlara Sekrakı yok dayı hani bize sigara Memurlar geliyor yat yere yat yat Nezarete düştü al bir sigara yak 10 dakika sonra baba ifaden alınacak Sokakta yine siren sesleri Mik başına tetikçi kaldır elleri Kopmaya devam baba ayık bizleri İtinale yazıyoruz evet sizleri Ders matematik baba kafam trilyon Bana soru sormayın ben hiç bilmiyorum Ben nerede olduğumu bir an şaşırıyorum Hocam diyor evladım gelsen kaşınıyorum Kafası güzelken bankası olmadı Bu olay bitmedi mevzu olmadı Bir sigara çözüm bana neşem kalmadı Ses ver Adana zirveden selam Durmak yok omi patlamaya devam Yok bundan sonra size sigara filan Uçuyor yıldızlara müptezel bayan Keya isyan tetik Burası Adana Seyhan Yükselen sesler rekor
To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate.